Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is the Boilers in the Stands post-game show. I'm your host, Greg Braggs Jr. Alongside me, as always, is Craig Bowers and Joe Jackson uh, over at Mackey Arena. I'm at home in the studio uh, as we're up against the NFL playoffs right now. So we appreciate everyone that's tuning in and hanging out with us while you enjoy your Saturday after a big Purdue Boilermakers win, getting back in the win column after a you know, tough loss on the road in Nebraska. And we saw a lot of good things here today that we're going to touch on uh, a couple players that I think, uh, you know, haven't gotten a lot of run or a lot of action scoring the ball and, and doing some different things, getting some minutes today that I think is going to help going forward. Uh, but it was definitely um, good medicine here, you know, getting back to Mac arenas, Craig has pointed out, you know, teams, that uh, whenever Purdue loses, you know, and then they follow that up with a home game, it's normally uh, not a great recipe for the team that has to play Purdue. So P- Penn State drew the short straw here today, and uh, Purdue comes away with a uh, pretty convincing victory all the way through. Uh, so we'll kick it around the horn. Craig, I'll start with you. Uh, your your takeaways from the game here today. Uh, well, first of all, you said you were up against the NFL playoffs and I haven't paid too much attention to the NFL. I just wondered what time the bears play this weekend. Well, I'll tell you exactly what time the bears play this weekend. Joe, go ahead and give me your opening thoughts here on the, on the, on the game today. Since Craig's got a sharp tongue and wants to try Uh, to get me upset on this beautiful Saturday afternoon. Coming into the game, my biggest key, uh, point emphasis I guess whatever you want to call it was Edie had to be have a good game like I just did not think Penn State had a single answer for him coming into the game they did not have a single answer for him they doubled a little bit at first um, he hits three assists or has three assists that helps when Purdue knocks down a lot of their shots that they were shooting they were eight of six they were eight of 16 in the first half of three they started out seven of ten from three uh, that takes them that takes Penn State out of the double and then Edie just goes to work 30 and 20 just a game that I think you saw for, you know, the first couple of minutes kind of feeling it out. It wasn't too great. Dominated the next 20 and then coasted the final 15 and against a team like Penn State, uh, where Purdue is very, very, very much more talented and a better team. It's just the type of game that I kind of expect coming into today. Yeah, 100 um, percent. You know, uh, Penn State, they've had trouble defensively in the post and they have had trouble rebounding the ball. Robbie Hummel uh, said that to start the broadcast and. That is also a recipe for disaster if, uh, you know, those are things you struggle with when you face Purdue. Now, Craig, I'm going to give you a second opportunity here, and if you do not stick to Purdue and if you try to make fun of my Chicago Bears, you are going to be kicked off the show for the day. So go ahead with your thoughts on the game today. and Do not talk about C.J. Stroud or any quarterbacks coming out or Aiden O'Connell. The focus... Okay. All right. All right. right. I can stick to it. Um, you you know, Joe and I, we're, we're starting to kind of put out some, some of our keys, uh, before the game on on the boilers in his hands, official Twitter, we'd kind of done it uh, a little bit ahead of time, just me or him or whatever, but not officially on the boilers in the stands. So we came together today and kind of did that. And one of, one of my big points coming into it, that was, we, we have to play our style. Purdue has to assert their will. They have to play their way. And that feeds into a lot of what Joe was talking about in terms of just getting Zach the ball early and often, making sure that the offense was running through that. But when you play a team that presses like they do and that wants to trap as you get close to half court, it's against a lower talented team, like Joe said, you want to make sure that you don't fall into their style of play. They want to muck everything up. And, And Purdue did it a couple of times, let things get away from them, got a little bit sped up. But by and large today, Purdue stuck to who they were. And you saw Purdue's identity all over this game. And then when you add that in with everybody contributing, right? Nine guys scored five points or more today. So shots were falling all the way around. Everybody was contributing. Uh, Ethan Morton was the only one not to get in the scoring column today. Uh, That's a really good recipe for success all the way around. Limiting turnovers is part of that. Um, Purdue's season average was 12 turnovers coming into this game, 12.1 turnovers. I think they end up with 14 in the end, but a couple of those were like in kind of slop time after some of the walk-ons got on and whatnot. So, you know, they didn't let Penn State throw them out of their rhythm, throw them out of their style. Mostly, they controlled the ball well through through most of the game, and, and I think that was obviously one of the biggest keys of the game. Yeah, definitely. You know, it, it, it went, and the thing that and I'm excited to get into it, but when we talk about 
you know, um, Miles Colvin getting action, you know, um, you know, Caleb first, who's only had like three points in his last three games, you know, getting some work, you know? Yeah. Robbie said that on the telecast and it surprised me as well. Um, no, I was looking, I was looking at a comment. I'll, I'll get oh. to that comment later. Oh, okay. We'll get to the comment here. <laughs> Start that comment. Cause yeah, I wasn't sure I if that was for me. I just did. I didn't know if Robbie, um, gave some false information, but regardless, like I said, you know, in a blowout like this, which somebody in the comments earlier said it's a boring game. Well, good. You know, Purdue has too many interesting games. They play up and down to their competition at times in the last few years, and they can beat a team like Arizona or Gonzaga and all these great teams and then then play down to certain competition. You know, Nebraska, of course, comes back to earth here today, doesn't shoot 15 threes, but against Purdue, of course, they, they were on fire, but that's the life of Purdue. They're always going to get every team's best punch, especially when they have that number one next to their name. And uh, today Penn state didn't give them their best punch. So, you know, Purdue got to have a coast game for once. And, and when you're leading into a big rivalry game here coming up on Tuesday on the road, that's just what the doctor ordered. So uh, I'm not going to complain about a, a boring game, but also, you know, it's encouraging to see a guy and we, you know, we can get into player breakdowns as we go, but just for me, miles Colvin getting as much action as he has when he seemingly hasn't played here, you know, the last, you know, since big 10 play has started, that's great. Like he has ability and he showed that today and uh, to him to get some run out there and, and, and not look rusty and look ready to play and, and have a little bounce to his step. I thought was very encouraging. Sorry, I'm gonna be a hundred percent honest. I, I got lost in the middle because uh, right now Edie Jones, they're doing their signing, and as Robbie Hummel was leaving the court, he kind of got pulled into signing for all uh, the people because there was a loud uh, scream for him. So you were talking about Colvin or Heidi? Yeah, no, I was talking about Colvin. Colvin. Yeah, yeah, no, Colvin was solid. Um, two, uh, not good passes to say the least, it, it, but um. You know, Colvin is going to be who he is. He's going to always be ready to shoot coming off the bench. I think he took a shot in this first possession that he's in. Um, he's a guy that I have no worries that when his number is called, he will he will be ready. Whether he plays well or not, obviously you see that game to game. But he's not. A, I, I don't. I don't worry about him being a guy that sits for four games and then has to come in and play twelve minutes and just not be ready. I, I think he's going to be a guy that will always just be ready to go. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, Something that I, I thought was really encouraging with Colvin in, in this game and in the, the last game that he got a little bit of run is he's starting to get into the paint a little bit more. <clears throat> he's starting to take people. If, if that three's not there, he's starting to get in. You saw him today he did it twice in a row, but the, the first time he, he gets into the middle of the paint, uh, he pivots, he turns, he gives a little drop-off pass to TKR who immediately shoots and, and gets an easy layup. So you're starting to see him. You know, when we, we don't see these guys get run in games, you start to wonder, well, what's their development like, right? Um, but they're developing in practice every day that they're not playing games. And, and you're starting to see some of that with Colvin. Even though it's in really small minutes, you're starting to see little snippets of what he's adding to his game and, and how much more comfortable he is taking the ball off the dribble uh, a little bit more as well. Yeah, so uh, I don't know which way you guys want to take this. I mean, like I said, let's, you know, let's start well, with Zach Ed. Please, let's do it. Yeah, yes. we, we never do it, and we have to, even if That's it's just great. It's a, it's a, no. You're right. It's a great point because to start the game, I was like, oh, here we go. You know, when it was close, like 10, 11, 11, 11 or whatever it was early on, and they were trapping him, and there was a couple turnovers. I was like, no, man, like. Zach's had too many games this year where I feel like he hasn't been strong with the basketball, but they put that to bed very quickly after that early, you know, start where it was pretty even and just completely blew them out of the water. And you're a hundred percent right. Zach Eady running the floor for a dunk, Zach Eady drawing triple teams and making the easy pass and, and, you know, uh, making clean passes where guys can uh, take a shot in rhythm, you know, uh, four different three, point shooters to start the game spreading it around mason gillis in the corner camden heidi knocking one down Braden smith fletcher lawyer like if they're gonna you know go deep and win big 10 championship and do things in march that's the kind of play today that we saw from zach Eady that you're gonna need the rest of the year 
Yeah, I think, and even the first couple possessions, I wasn't too worried. It was just, it felt very fluky, the turnovers. Like, usually you can tell when Edie's flustered. And that the the first double where he, it's a turnover, he was, like, he had a ton of time and nobody moved off ball for Purdue. Um, I, Craig pointed out to me, like, Edie was calling for TKR to cut to the rim. He didn't. There was just zero movement, and that's just not Purdue. Um, and then from there, he starts making good passes. I know Corey early in the chat said, if you're Penn State, why don't, why wouldn't you double every, Edie every single time? Why wouldn't you double every ED every single time is what he said. Uh, why don't you double ED every single time? He, they did at first, and then ED was making really good passes out of the post. Like you mentioned, Gillis hits a three. Like there was a bunch of guys that hits a three. Jones hits one. Um, and so when Purdue is starting seven for ten from three, like you just kind of have to get out of it. And then you saw in the second half they kind of had to go away from it. And now ED was able to – I mean, it has to feel so good for ED when it's like if he finally doesn't get double teamed, especially after a Nebraska game when he's like triple teamed pretty much off ball the whole time. Um, that just has to feel so good that he could just be like, no, everybody get out of my way once I get the ball, run through, clear out, and I'm just going to go to my post work. Um, just absolutely dominant on both ends of the floor too. Uh, three blocks to go along with it. I think Penn State did a decent job at times pulling him a little bit away from the rim. And then that's when you saw a lot of the cuts and drives to the rim, I thought, for Penn State. But uh, this was just a, a reminder of what Zach Eady can do. 30 points, 20 rebounds, 6 on the offensive glass, 10 of 12 from the field, 10 of 14 from the free throw line. Like He just he quite literally got what he wanted, and he had to. Because like I said, like Penn State, Wahab's, I like Wahab, Wahab's solid, uh, but they just they do not have anybody to match up with him. Greg, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And, you know, Greg, you said something about Zach, maybe not as certain as dominance as much in a couple games before this. And I don't know that I totally agree with that because a lot of it is just how they're going to play Zach. And you don't want Zach forcing his way to 30 points because that usually means it's going to be an inefficient 30 or he might draw some offensive fouls. Um, you want him to take what the defense has given him. And, yeah, at some point, sometimes uh, he's just got to go get a bucket and figure out how to go through a double or sometimes a triple team. But you don't want him necessarily doing that consistently. And I think it's just the way Purdue's been played in the last couple of games that, that's led to that more than anything else. And and the way Penn State eventually decided to kind of guard Zach tonight uh, led to him being able to have a really efficient game where he could get to 30. He had the 20 rebounds, so he's getting a lot of putbacks as well. Had six offensive rebounds, um, so he's getting points off that as well. And then I think he gets to the free throw line and makes 10 tonight. I'm pretty sure I, he had 20 points off the floor and uh, 10 or 11 from the free throw line. So, you know, all of that just kind of lends itself to a Zach Eady game. Um, but, you know, again, to me, a lot of it is just how the other team is going to decide to play Purdue. And when they play Purdue like they did tonight, then Zach's got to eat, right? He's got to go out and get 30 and 20. Yep, 100%. Yeah, definitely. Um, so do we want to get into team stats of the game and then and then branch back out into uh, yeah. some of the div different individual performances, kind of how we always do it here on yep. the Boilers in the Stands postgame show? Please hit that like button um, if you haven't already and subscribe if you haven't already as we're getting close to 2,000 subscribers on our YouTube channel. Uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in across all platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and, and YouTube, of course. Uh, and even Twitch, we got the Twitch uh, channel opened up for anybody that wants to tune in. So yeah, let's get into the stats of the game. Um, team stats, as I said, so field goal percentage Purdue shoots a scorching hot 58% from the field on 32 of 55 shooting Penn state 45% from the field. Pretty good on 29 of 65 shooting uh, three point percentage. Once again, Purdue. Red hot, 46% from three on 11 of 24 from the three-point arc, 32% from Penn State, nine of 28 from the three-point arc, 69% free throw percentage. Want to get that number up if you're Purdue, 20 of 29 from the line, 65% from the stripe for Penn State, 11 of 17 from the line. So Purdue outshoots Penn State uh, by 12 attempts from the line. 14 turnovers for Purdue, only nine for Penn State. They win the turnover battle. 17 points off of those turnovers for Penn State, only eight for Purdue points off turnovers. Rebounds, Purdue absolutely dominates the glass. 43 total rebounds, 33 defensively, 10 offensive, only 24 rebounds for Penn State. But that happens when Purdue's shooting 58% from the field, uh, but at the same time just completely dominate on the glass. 
at 24 rebounds, 18 defensively, only six offensive rebounds, 14 second chance points for Purdue, uh, four Penn State second chance points, bench points, 42 bench points for Penn State, uh, 29 bench points for Purdue, 38 points in the paint to 36 for Penn State, um, fast break points, 21 fast break points to 12 for Penn State, three blocks for Purdue, none for Penn State, nine steals for Penn State, only three for Purdue, 26 assists. Uh, I think it was 16 assists on 18 made field goals in the first half. They finished with 26 on the game, 19 assists for Penn State, and Purdue led for 36 minutes and 15 seconds of this game. So there are the stats, guys. Craig, any of the stand out to you in a blowout performance for the Boilers? Yeah, I, I mean, I think there's two stats that always need to jump out to you as a Purdue fan, that it, that if we have a dominant advantage in those two stats, there's a really good chance we won the game. Um, rebounding being one of those. So 43 to 24, I think, was, was what you said was we finished up in terms of total rebounds. Uh, just as importantly, Purdue finishes with 10 offensive rebounds to their six offensive rebounds. That leads to 14 second chance points for Purdue. And you can pretty much just bank on it. If Purdue's going to be close to plus 20 on the re- on the boards, uh, there's a really good chance that Purdue came out with a win. I think secondly, I don't want to steal anything from uh, from our guy over here, but the second thing that kind of lends into rebounding, because if you're dominating on the glass, chances are you're going to draw quite a bit of fouls when you're doing that too. Uh, just that free throw disparity. Uh, Purdue attempts 29. They attempt 16. Purdue makes 20. They make 11. Um, those two things right there are always going to be recipes for success for Purdue. Uh, how about you, Joe? Where, where, where you stand on <clears throat> the stats of the game? Yeah, I mean, turnovers limiting to – there was 14 turnovers. Two of them, I think, were kind of garbage time. Edie, had, Edie ended with four turnovers. Two of them were because he was saving a, a ball out of bounds on offensive rebound. Um, so you can take that for what it is. They really, I think the biggest thing with that, too, with the turnovers is – uh, what there's, I can only think of two off the top of my head that led directly to Penn State points. The one time, the only time that Bourne tried bringing the ball up against the press, he got absolutely ripped. That was for two. And I think one of the Jones really bad passes led. Uh, so this is even the turnovers, although there was 14, I, I only think a couple, uh, maybe one of the garbage times, whatever. Most of them didn't lead to, directly to Penn State points, which I also think is a kind of big key with that. Um, the other one, obviously, three-point shooting. They start seven for ten. I've already mentioned how that takes uh, that took Penn State kind of out of their double team and what they wanted to do. Twenty-six assists on thirty-two makes is the other one. The ball was moving around. Brain Smith with with eleven assists. He was kind of just doing what he wanted on offense, especially in that second half. I think he had six assists in the first five minutes. So ball moving well. You're not turning it over too much. You're dominating the glass and hitting threes. Like you're, you're going to win those. Purdue's going to win those games ninety-nine times out of hundred. And, and relative to those turn relative to those turnovers, Joe, I see quite a bit in the chat talking about some bad passes today and that sort of thing. Penn State teams that play against Penn State average 16.8 turnovers a game. Uh, that's like in the 350s, meaning meaning Penn State turns everybody over. Uh, no matter what, I said it uh, yesterday, and then we said it kind of again, like. They're going to force some turnovers. They're going to make teams uncomfortable. You're probably going to be higher than your season average. You just can't let that get you frantic and change the completely style that you play. It can't speed you up, any sort of thing like that. So it's not a surprise at all to me that we're slightly above average. But by and large, they handled it well. Yeah, yep. as Chan, Chan Cox puts in the chat, I wonder if the 11 assists for Braden is a career high. Um, certainly up there. Tied for his career high. He had 11 against, I believe, Moorhead State earlier this year. Yeah, so uh, we can get into all of that here as we continue. 26 assists on 32 made shots. Um, yeah, it's, you know, it just shows how they're sharing the basketball. And, you know, it was today was just great medicine for Purdue after, you know, a tough loss in Nebraska, a very frustrating loss in Nebraska. Also, some people in the chat also saying, down goes Kentucky. They lose just as we launched here, uh, went live here. So I think what Kentucky was ranked six in the country. So how many teams in the top six have lost? I think every team in the top six has lost this week. No, UConn hasn't. UConn hasn't. So, 
you know, and that just goes to show you what's going on around here. And it seems like Purdue is the only team, you know, at, that's in the top five, top 10, the last couple of years when they lose a game, it's national news. It's, you know, something of note and everyone seems to, you know, make their jokes about, but, you know, you look at some of the losses by these other teams in the top six. And I, maybe this is just because we only pay attention to the Purdue clippings, but it just does seem like the attention draws to Purdue a little more with some of these losses than the other teams. Uh, not that I'm jaded or anything, you know, it is what it is. Let people pay attention to you. It means you're doing something right. So, um, all right, well, let's kick it around. You know, um, we don't have to go insane with today's show. We could even try to fit in a preview show for uh, the Purdue IU game, but we got a quick turnaround with that being on Tuesday. So we'll just have to wait and see uh, yep. what our schedules look like, but a big game coming up here on Tuesday. Obviously today doesn't have too much meat on the bone as far as, you know, the, the competitiveness of this game, but still some things to break down so we can get into individual stats for Purdue. I, I don't know where you guys want to start. We, we already kind of touched on Zach. 30 points on 10 of 12 shooting, 10 of 14 from the free throw line, uh, 20 rebounds, 30 and 20 on the day, three assists in 20 in only 27 minutes of play. Or wait, I'm sorry, that's the plus minus. How many minutes did Edie play today? 30 or no, not 30. There's no minutes on there, I guess. Yeah, that's what I was I was trying to look to see. I got maybe you, it's, hold on, maybe it's on this one. Hold on, here we go. It How is. many? How many 30 minutes of play for Zach and he goes 30 and 20 on the day. That's incredible. And a great response for the reigning national player of the year. Um, I don't know if you guys have any more you want to touch on him or if we can move it around the horn for some other players. Let's go to Heidi. I want to, I want to talk about Cam Heidi because what I have seen over the past couple of games, like I am, I am very confident in his role off the bench right now. To me, he is, he is pretty clearly the seventh man. I think, Obviously, Morton's going to get minutes, too, because of his ball handling capabilities. Uh, but Heidi is the guy to me. He is the one true wing that I think gives you good stuff on both ends. He is not going to be, you know, he's not going to be an elite offensive player, and he's probably not, like, the most elite defensive player. But I think he plays really good defense, and I think he knows his role in offense. Make corner threes, be able to drive the ball a little bit, finish a couple of times at the rim. Um, he knocked down, I believe, two threes today. I'm sure Craig will mention that because I think uh, he has he has that start or whatever. But um, he's just he just is consistently making good plays to me, and and I think out of it was always going to come down to him or Colvin for the rotation. Who kind of gets that that last wing spot? Um, Gills is going to always be the bit first big off the bench with what he provides next to Edie with the shooting and that. Uh, but Heidi, just to me, he's really really proven what he can do on both ends, and I think Painter trusted trust him on both ends to one play good defense. He has good size, but can still like they were Purdue's fine putting him on Clary or Baldwin. Um, who are both you know six foot ish guards that are pretty quick. He can play against bigger wings. Like if if Purdue ever matched up with like Tennessee or whatever again at this point, like I would assume Heidi gets more minutes against uh, Dalton Connect. Like he can kind of guard that as well. He can and then just yeah, he just makes good plays and and out of that wing spot, I think that's what Painter's looking for is who's going to play in that role the best and who can he trust the most for however many minutes it is, whether it be 15, 20, 25 minutes. Uh, and, and Heidi's just really, really stood out to me that he's going to be the guy that can do it. And I think it's going to continue. I think it continues for the rest of the season and, and into the tourney. Mm -hmm. Like his size and athleticism translates to me. Yeah, I, I don't think there's any doubt that you're going to see his minutes continue to creep up as the year goes on. He gets more and more comfortable. Um, there in the second half, Painter actually runs action for him, where where he catches, he kind of shows it three, the guy closes out. So then he drives, uh, really nice drive with some athleticism, gets to the rim, just barely misses a layup. And then I think Zach got an offensive rebound off of that, if I'm remembering exactly on that play. But he's shown a little bit more to his game, just all the way around. And he's so comfortable and smooth shooting the three. He's shooting 50% coming into the game, and then he goes two for three today. I've kind of got a running bit about, like, the requisite one Cam Heidi three because I don't know how many games in a row he's hit exactly one three. Uh, but today he hits two. Um, I, I think just as he gets more and more comfortable with that, you know, wouldn't it surprise me to see his attempts go up to maybe four a game if he's getting 15, 20 minutes a game at some point. Um, don't know if he's ever going to get to 20. Uh, but I think especially on games where where Fletcher maybe isn't, isn't on it offensively um, just the defensive advantage that he brings with his extra length, his extra athleticism, especially when we're playing longer teams. I think you're going to see cam get more and more run and he's got him going to be the guy that's going to win out on that. 
Yeah, and you can see not only, you know, offensively what he brings to the table and defensively on the perimeter, but rebounding. You know, he had a big rebound at one point where, you know, he just shows his 41-inch vertical and length and athleticism that he has. So that's going to keep him on the floor as well. So starting to see an uptick on his minutes. Uh, I don't know if there was anything that stood out to you as far as uh, the minutes breakdown that you do here for every game, Joe. Yeah, I think for me it is uh, we've seen Morden come off the bench first uh, and he will probably replace Jones because Painter said he wants two ball handlers on the floor at all times. This time he brings in Heidi first in that first half or with you know 15 minutes left um, in place of lawyer. And so it kind of just flipped the rotation. Usually Jones comes out first and then Morden comes in and then a few minutes later, lawyer goes out for Heidi. This time it was flipped. Heidi's the first off the bench um, and maybe he just he especially early in the game, kind of a slow start that Heidi substitution, I think is Heidi plus Gill substitution is kind of what really got uh, Purdue starting to go again. Also just finally being in the flow of the game, right? I think the first four minutes at times can just be tough in general as you try to find your footing. Um, but Heidi comes in early, then it's more an after that for Jones. That's to me really the only, um, I think, big rotation thing that stood out to me. Obviously in the second half, it gets a little wonky, especially for the last, what, 12 minutes of the half. Um, but, uh, you know, Heidi only plays 13 minutes and I think that's just more because of how the, the rotations kind of fell with him. Um, but other than that, I don't have too much on the rotations themselves. How about you? Oh, Craig? Yeah, one other ahead. thing, uh, TKR's first minute, first four minutes, obviously at the four against Edie, he comes in and does fill Edie's four minute gap at center, uh, from the eight to five minute mark in that first half. How about you Craig? Yeah, Anything I, on the rotations? I just think that in all reality, Heidi's minutes were kind of cut into it. I thought Heidi could have ran a lot more. And I think he didn't because Painter wanted to get Colvin some minutes today. Because uh, there's there's going to be certain games where Painter can try to develop Colvin. And look, when, when Colvin's shot is on and it's as pure and as sweet as it is, there's going to be a lot of people, kind of the Brandon Newman thing, like well, there's going to be a lot of people saying we need more Colvin, we need more Colvin. Right now, he's just still really raw defensively from a team defense standpoint. I thought he did some good things today in terms of getting back and recovery after he'd gotten beat off the dribble. He's really quick and recovers fast. So you have to like that. But from just a rotational standpoint, um, you saw him kind of get lost a couple of times there, a few. But in all reality, you know, if this was a crunch time game that was a five to eight point game, I wouldn't have been surprised at all if Heidi would have got more than 20 today. Now, who's Johnny in the chat asks, you know, who would you trust more, Heidi or, or Lawyer? For him, it thinks it's an easy in, question. In, in yeah. what regard? Like, this, def you go. defensively, offensively, like, you know, you, you got to give more context to that. I think that's a big, that's something I wanted to hit on uh, because I think there's a lot of, and rightfully so, right? There is, it's fair to have debates on who should play more and all of that. Um, for me personally, though, I don't, ever i don't think i agree with anybody saying x player out of the wing specifically right jones lawyer heidi colvin and i forget morton um i don't agree really with anybody saying this guy needs to play more than this guy because with like the wing group is so diverse in their talents this year like everybody yeah. brings something different if you want three point if you need purely offense three-point shooting and just aggressiveness you're going to go to lawyer if you need pure defense you're probably going to go to morton you know, mixes Heidi. Obviously, jo I think Jones is kind of not really in that group. Uh, he's gonna just he's gonna play his minutes. Like, I think that there just has to be context to it all of what exactly do you need at that moment in time for the team, and that's a good thing. Purdue has options. They you couldn't have always said that last year. Purdue has options this year of what they want to go to. And and to his point, Lawyer is the better ball handler right now. There there's no doubt about that. But yeah. the fact that we have Jones right now, it kind of takes that need away to some point, right? We saw multiple times today where, where Smith kind of got trapped, had it was having trouble getting the ball up the court, tosses it to Jones. Jones is a really st sturdy built body. He can take some contact. He can dribble through it. Um, and he's just completely changed how we handle the press. I think out of all the turnovers today, only two were truly in the backcourt against the press. One was when Morton got his pocket picked. Um, so you, you've got that added ball handling element that you had to have lawyer for last year in Jones. So that allows you to play a guy like Cam who can be better defensively against certain teams when you need him to. There's still going to be plenty of games where you need that offensive punch from Lawyer. 
Um, and, and he's going to get his run. And, and like Joe said, and like we've said multiple times on the show, it's not a matter of this guy over this guy. It's a matter of who's got it today and what's the specific matchup today. And quit worrying about who needs more. <laughs> yep. No, that's fair. Um, before we move on to some other players to highlight, there is something that's bothering me and it's Uh-oh. your back. It's your guys's background. So like when you see, if you look on the screen, it says our oh, house. So somebody needs, there it is. There it is. Now it's lined up. Cause it said house now, because you guys aren't sitting too far apart. Now it says our house. Thank you. Nice job guys. Nice job. Go. All right. <laughs> Let's move on to some other players here. Uh, as we kick it around and, and maybe here to end the show, maybe we can, you know, briefly touch a little bit on that, the upcoming IU game, just mm-hmm. in case we're not able to get a preview show in on Monday night, uh, depending on our schedules here, uh, as I do production meeting here on the show. Um, yeah, like I said, I, I mean, we've talked about, you know, the wings and we, we, so we've talked about Colvin. So I'd like to kind of kick it to Caleb first, who I thought really had a nice performance, seven points, three or four shooting uh three rebounds you know uh got a you know you know he just got in the action and so it was nice to see him get in there i'm not sure how many minutes let me move over to this uh graphic to figure out 12 minutes of play so i just thought he was very efficient in his time and it was just nice to see him kind of get get more active you know uh, in in his production am i reading that right uh joe so you, you are i okay um i have the stats pulled up on mine also and like the just purdue page also shows minutes and i have no idea but this one that i screenshotted doesn't and i don't know what changed because i that's okay. haven't gone off this page that's okay we'll make it work we're improvising here but uh did you guys feel a little more sh- i just because i'm always so hyper focused on that four the the four spot here and you know mason gillis is starting to emerge knocking down some dagger threes here lately that i think you know, when you're able to do that, that really is going to elevate you. And just to see Caleb first get a little more active and do some more things. We all know that he's going to be scrappy on the defensive end and, and, and work his way on the offensive glass, but I just need as much offensive output as I can from the four as I can get knowing there's only one ball on the court. So, you know, anything for you guys that stood out to Caleb first, like it did for me, or am I, am I reading too much into it? No, I thought he had good minutes. I thought he had pretty good energy. Um, you see what he, uh, yeah, seven points, three or four shooting. I thought he had a couple strong takes. You saw him the one time pass up a three and he kind of drove. Yes, it didn't, that was, the drive that was, itself, yep. The drive itself didn't end up in a layup, but then it's like he had positioning on a post up, was able to kind of back down after that. No, um, you're right. He didn't do too much. Aggressive. He didn't yeah. do too much there. Like he had it at the top of the key, did little, little spin move. He kicked it back out. Then he reset on the block. And then when he got it, he was in a position where he could make a stronger move to the rim. Uh, I saw him do that at one point. I saw Miles Colvin do that at another point where he went inside the paint. He thought he was going to force it. Instead, he throws it to Trey Kaufman Wren. Nice little bounce pass that got Trey an easy bucket. So I thought there was some good decision making, you know, uh, in that regard, not trying to force it for some of those players, including Caleb first. Well, and he was confident. I think where Caleb gets in trouble a lot of times is he just sometimes he questions what he wants to do. And when he gets underneath the basket, sometimes he'll start head faking, head faking, head faking. And it's like, just go, buddy, just go. Um, and I thought he was a lot more confident today about his decision making. Um, thought he took his time on the one post up and just made a really nice move and, and was direct about it when he decided to go ahead and make his move and score. 100%. Chris are in the chat. Whose house? Who's who, he goes? Who's hose our house? <laughs> you know, play on words with the with the spelling behind. For those of you that are gonna tune in later on our audio podcast, Craig and and Joe's background is where it says our house. So that was the whole housekeeping I was doing earlier, just to give you guys some context for our audio listeners. Uh, but it's always fun to tune into YouTube to see our sweet smiling faces. Uh Great. so. Yes, sir. Um, Craig, I know um, we're going to jump to the probably next player. I know you starred something, I think, about Jones. Do you want to start with Jones? Uh, Do you want me to go? I do want to start with Jones. I I figured you did. Look, there there was – he had two bad passes today. He finishes with three turnovers, two very bad passes. Um, Two bad turnovers, ends up with three turnovers. 
Smith ends up with two turnovers. Edie ends up with four turnovers in this game. Three turnovers isn't a number that's going to make you just pull your hair out in a game like this when, when he's handling the ball as much as he is. Outside of that, he was incredible today. Uh, he mainly guards Ace Baldwin. He forces him into a super inefficient 2 of 8 from the field um, as his primary role. He starts out hitting threes. He hits a three coming right out of the second half. He shoots three of seven. He didn't take a single shot at any point today that I questioned. All of them were in rhythm. All of them were within the flow. He attacked the rim a couple of times, got downhill one time uh, on a fast break, got a steal. I think he finishes with three assists and three rebounds, if I remember right, four something like that. Four, four and four. four. Four rebounds, four assists. And I look, everybody is really excited this year about how Purdue – has looked against press defenses. And yeah, Purdue has worked on it. Uh, but Lance Jones is a big, big reason Purdue is able to handle the press as well as they are because we have a true secondary ball handler. And he's a guy that can, like I said, can just, he can take some of that contact that doesn't get called when, when you're facing a team that presses and it's that like, oh, we're just going to keep hitting them and eventually the refs will swallow the whistle. They're not going to call everything. He can absorb that contact and just keep moving forward. A lot of that is Lance Jones. Braden Smith has gotten much better at it, but it's basically a Smith and Jones show on that end of it. I did not – I saw a few different comments about Lance not having a good game today, and, yeah, those two passes were really bad. Uh, at the end of the day, turnovers are turnovers, regardless of how bad the turnover looked. He only ends up with three. Not much that I didn't like about Lance's game today other than those two bad passes. No, you always got to love his aggressiveness, um, you know, and he finishes the day here with, let me find him on the stat sheet, 14 points, five and nine shooting from the field, three of seven from three point land, uh, one made free throw. Uh, and then he had four, four total rebounds, four assists, four fouls. Uh, so he's getting in on the action as per usual on the defensive end. Uh, but you know, I thought one of those, the charge, I thought the charge he took where he gets called for the, the, the blocking foul. It was funny because he was very upset about it. And I don't know, like, it's funny because it could have been called a charge for sure, but it was also like, Lance was like, come on, I, I laid my ass on the line for this. Give me the damn call, you know, cause he had to take a pretty tough hit for it, but I don't know if he was completely set either. If we're going to go completely to the letter of the law, but it, it could have been called a charge. Uh, either way, but you know, I guess in a blow, I didn't have as much of a big deal with it, but I know he did because he's the one that had to take the lick. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this much on, in terms of whether that was a charge or a block, Nick Kern jr. Was laughing at the free throw line and reached over and smacked him on the butt because I'm pretty Man. sure he thought it was a charge too. So he got, he did, he did get laid out on it. So it felt like it should be, even if he wasn't completely set, it felt like just the momentum of the offensive player was more at fault then you know what I mean? Like he, the offensive player initiated that contact there. So, um, you know, that was a tough hit he took. So, but those are the breaks. Uh, so let's kick it back around a little more. I don't know if there's anybody else you specifically want to highlight. I mean, we touched on brain Smith briefly with his 11 assists, but he has six points on the day, two of five shooting two or three from the three point line, four rebounds, 11 assists plus minus of 22 I on the day. I do want to actually hit on him because there was something I just remembered uh, making sure I wasn't muted. Penn state started in a hedge, which hedge defense is we've, we've talked about for anybody that's new. That doesn't know. It's kind of when the, when did you bring the, your chalkboard? No, I forgot. Joe, you're ruining our lives. Yep. Yep. Um, hedge. So the big defending ED, he just steps out and all he's trying to do as Smith comes off the screen is just push Smith back. And so, they started in that, and we've noted throughout the season that that's kind of the thing that's given Smith the most issues just because he can't always turn a corner um, and then create because once he gets downhill, he's going to find whoever's open, right? He's, uh, he's, I'll save that part for the end, but he was still aggressive against it, kind of drawing it. I thought he did a better job of just drawing it out. There was one time it was in the, he kind of drew it out where he went to the corner. Now he had two on him, and now he just is able to, he's in a spot where he's able to, uh, survey the floor, right? And so if he has two on him, he should be able to make the right play every single time because he's going to have the rest of the court's going to be a four on three. And so I forget if he hit Edie for a, for a dunk. Or no, it was a, a Heidi three. It was the first Heidi three. He goes to the corner. Heidi kind of fills behind him and it's a wide open three. 
and he kind of did that a couple times, just being able to be aggressive, draw out the big a little bit, and um, make good plays off of it. And then you saw some in the second half, and part of it maybe is because Edie got dominant too, was that they went to a drop coverage. And drop coverage is where the big kind of steps a couple behind the screen when Brady comes off, and that's where Brain eats. If, if teams teams should just never run drop coverage against Brayden pretty much unless they have like some insane offense or insane uh, perimeter defender that they can trust getting through screens. Cause once Brayden turns the corner and gets downhill a bit, he's just going to eat, whether it be a pull up, whether it be hitting eating on the roller or a shooter. Um, and so I think just the ability that he had to kind of force them to switch schemes, obviously Edie going for 30 and 20 helps out a little bit. Cause then drop coverage is going to be focused more on taking Edie away. Uh, but I-, I wanted to point that out. Also, kind of wanted to conclude this part with smith is like i assume we've kind of already had him up there but like if brain's not in if not if brain's not considered one of the best passers in the country already like he needs to be there um i will take his passing ability up against basically anybody in the country and uh, he just for the he just he's had too many good games this year for him to not be up there for me no yeah I mean, he's easily a top 20 point guard in the country. I, I don't think that's really a question. He's probably even higher than that. And, and it, what's nice is you're starting to see him get mentioned on the national stage. The guys that cover from a national standpoint, from a Big Ten standpoint, they, those guys have already been bringing his name up. Um, but whether it's Field of 68 or, or CBS or whoever, you're starting to hear his name dropped as one of the best point guards in the country. And and it's good to see, you know, when you're a Purdue fan, you want to hear your guys called out when you're watching those types of shows. And it's good to see them getting the recognition that they deserve. I don't really have any other individual players to really highlight. Just Not- the fact that so many different guys got in on the action today, right? Again, yep. you had nine players with five points or more. I think it was just I, as much as Zach was the focal point today with 30 points and 20 rebounds. You would think in that type of game, like, okay, maybe three or four other guys, you know, scored a decent amount of points, whatever. And you look down the list and and nine guys with five or more points, um, you know, that's when Purdue's really clicking and really hitting on all cylinders. And we saw it today. Yeah, it seemed like Fletcher Lawyer was in a comfortable spot, like his role was well defined here today, like the perfect amount of usage and the plays they drew up for him and he was efficient and so I think they're starting to kind of find their way with these wings and, and Camden Heidi starting to get a little more uptick on minutes and trying to, um, you know, uh, diversify, you know, these minutes for these guys. Um, and so that's, I think, an encouraging sign going forward because then if you put these guys in their best opportunity to succeed, you know, it's just going to make the games look cleaner. And, um, you know, but you only know that by, you know, putting these guys in the fire and Camden Heidi hasn't really been able to get in the fire very much. That's why I like today where miles Colvin was able to get in the action a little more because he has talent, he has athleticism, he has an ability to score. So you have to find a way to get him minutes in these games, uh, just so you can have, you know, you know, a chance for him to expand that role as the season goes forward. So, you know, it's, it, but it's hard for every freshman, especially on a team like this. So, uh, but you got to be able to utilize that talent. So having a game like this where it isn't as tight, because I guarantee if this was a tight game, Miles Colvin probably doesn't play. So, no. you know, and that's it, not a, that's not a knock on Colvin. Like, I, I think, like it is normal for freshmen to have issues for things to have to develop. And he could be like next year, he could be, he could take a huge freshman to sophomore leap. I could totally see that coming. Um, and I, I know there's some, some play, some people are like, Hey, should we should, we should develop him for, uh, for March for tourney time. And like, it's, it's, that's a tough balance, right? Because obviously that in an ideal world, a hundred percent, you want to develop Colvin, get him ready have, all 10 players ready for March. Um, But at the same time, you do have to balance like winning now. And so like a game like today, like you said, getting him some more run, getting him just more comfortable. um, It's he, all the talents there. It's not a knock on him that, Hey, he isn't a superstar this second. He absolutely could be in the future. Going to take him a little bit to get there. Um, We've already highlighted the defense in the passing, but the dude is not afraid to shoot. And every single time when he's come, when he comes in, I swear he just shoots first possession and, more often than not, it's a good shot too. 
Yeah, hundred percent. So, <clears throat> you know, as we skim through here, this post game show getting close to an hour. Uh, I think we should probably try to cap this show at an hour so everybody can go back to enjoying the rest of their Saturday and their football. football. Yeah, I, of course. I got hey, I got football out right here. I'm not going to show it because then I'll get some kind of copyright. There's football violation. today? Yeah, yeah there's I'm, football today. The Bears aren't playing, all right? Yeah. Pers- personally, it. not even a – this isn't even a joke. Personally, I'm actually really hyped for Iowa-Indiana tonight the, on the women's side. Uh, IU at Iowa should be a very, very fun game. Yeah, right. and, and Iowa, Iowa was at Mackey here recently. That was a I drop. Went, ball I witnessed by a Kalen Clark triple double in person. It was, it was, it was magical. Uh, this is a drop ball by me because I I've been wanting to watch her play in person and I haven't yet, and that's my bad. And but she could go to the Fever number one, um, which I would be excited for too. Indiana Fever. Do we um, wanna do we wanna do ten sorry. minutes on Purdue IU and then yeah, that's up. what I was saying. We'll wrap up the show here previewing Purdue IU. No, you're fine. Um. Uh, and, and just kind of what to watch for here coming up on Tuesday. We may or may not do something on Monday night, but I doubt it just because of my schedule. If these guys wanted to do something, they're more than welcome, but I I probably have to work. So, um, let's do our little short, brief IU Purdue preview here coming up. I don't know which one of you wants to start. Craig, I'll start with you. I just think it's going to be an interesting game. I mean, anytime you go to assembly hall, it's, difficult right it's never easy in what is probably the second best venue in all of the big 10 uh to go down there and try to get a win and i think iu for everybody presents uh, some interesting matchups just because they're so long uh they're so big three three four when you look at mbaco um you look at renew and you look at khalil Ware and what they can potentially do from a matchup standpoint so it's going to be really interesting to me. Their guard play is not the greatest, um, but they can have games. And here in the last five or six games, I'd say out of about half of those, they've actually shot relatively well from three, uh, which was a big issue coming into this season. So depending on how well they're shooting from three, that may change some things in the game. But one of the more interesting matchups to me is is going to be Renew on R4, whoever's going to guard him. I think he's their best, IU's best offensive weapon. And, and to me, I don't really think that's even close. Um, and then when you look at Mbako, um, you know, who's going to guard him from Purdue? And I think there's a good chance. Uh, Joe can maybe give his thoughts on this too. But I think this is another chance where you have the opportunity for this to be a game that Cam gets more minutes of run in as well. Yeah, so, I'm with you there. Oh, what were you going to say, Bex? Nothing. I was just going to throw it to you. Yeah, no, I, I think Heidi definitely could just because McBacco's what is he six nine or something like that? Um, I'm pulling it up exactly. I six eight six. can can shoot, can drive. Indiana, like the whole thing with their three pointers at this point is they just don't shoot a ton. They have shot over forty percent five of their last six games from three. Their league average, their uh, percentage is slightly above uh, nation or national average from three. They just take some of the fewest in the game. Or in the country. Sorry, geez. Malik Renew is going to be, like you said, Craig, I think he's going to be the most interesting. Just both Renew and Ware. Because my guess would be Edie takes Ware. And so now you have a battle of two seven-footers. Uh, both really good rebounders. Per- Edie's going to have to win that matchup. And then you have Renew, who is willing to space, but also able to post up. Like Renew is... I, I, I'm curious to see if Purdue just lives with it. Um, he's taking about two. He's taking about two a game. He's making just under one a game for three. So, like, is Purdue just going to let him shoot? And if he starts making a couple, then adjust. This could also be where like the TKR ED combo can work more too, uh, because I trust TKR more in the post. I think than maybe Gillis at the moment, but also what Gillis does offensively is a balance. Um, Indiana also has to, or Purdue has to win on the guard play, right? So. I don't know what they're going to do. Last game, Xavier Johnson was benched. Uh, he did not start. He and Gabe Cup started, and that was following because Xavier Johnson got ejected against Rutgers for um, hitting somebody below the belts. Uh, he also just didn't like. It just seems like Xavier Johnson's not help, happy right at this moment, and that's just pure speculation. I have no idea uh, if he isn't playing well. That already limits. IU's weakness is their guard depth, right? Gabe Cubs has been okay as a freshman. He's kind of, I think, what you've expected as a freshman, adjusting still, but they've relied on, had to rely on him a ton. Trey Galloway is just going to kind of do his thing. Um, he's 
going to get some floaters. He's going to shoot a couple threes. We'll see if he makes them or not. Uh, but then also is a really, really good facilitator. But I think Purdue is more talented there right now. And, and they have CJ going off the bench, and that's really it. And so Purdue, ha- I think, like, Brainsmith has to play pretty well. If Lawyer's in the game, he has to be knocking down shots because that's the other thing is Indiana is a team that is very willing to give up three-pointers. They're also um, pretty susceptible to teams that move the ball well. Pretty best to knock down some shots. And, you know, you look at what they did against Nebraska, although they ended up at 39%, and I mentioned that, it would have been nice to see them hit a couple early on. If that doesn't happen against IU, now the whole crowd's going to be into it and things can just snowball from there. Um, Edie, from what I remember last year, was pretty good in both matchups. And, and that, so that's a good sign. Was, it's a, against where this time, who's a seven-footer. Um, but I'm, I'm excited. I think that this is a game that if Purdue can hit some threes, they, they should be able to um, kind of at least, you know, Hold a little bit of a lead going late into the game, uh, but the the, the three point shooting and Ed dominating down low are probably two of the keys for me for it. Yeah, it's it's just one of those things where and Northwestern has started to fall into this category, and IU's been there here for the last few years since Mike Woodson has showed up, and he's done a really good job. I think Mike Woodson, from an X's and O standpoint, um, and I think both of you guys can acknowledge he's he's really put painter in some tough spots and and challenged him and, and honestly i feel like since he's been there i think mike woodson is out coach painter in these head-to-head matchups i don't think that's unfair to say um you know uh i think it, as craig has pointed out time and again the nba style type coaches who are going to isolate and pick on your weakest defender over and over and over until you can prove you can stop it is a concern uh iu never is explosive uh three-point shooting so if they're hitting their three-point shots, they become a problem. But if they're not, Purdue could run away with it. CJ Gunn, as Shan Cox put in the chat a minute ago, has been playing really well here as of late. But again, what I was going to start with was talking about Northwestern and some of these other teams in the Big Ten and talking about always taking the other team's best punch. If IU played every team like they play Purdue, they would be a final four team every year. I mean, at least the last few years. I mean, IU, when they play Purdue, seems to just play with their hair on fire um, and plays a a level of basketball that we don't see most nights when we're watching them when they're playing other teams. And they they seem to get up for their rival. And there was this run where Purdue had beaten them almost like 10 times in a row where it seemed like IU was completely demoralized in this rivalry. Mike Woodson shows up. They get some decent recruits that put Purdue in some, you know, uh, tough positions. You know, um, Jalen hood Shafino being a tough matchup last year for Purdue. And Mike Woodson seems to know how to take advantage of what Painter's trying to do on both ends. So I'm nervous about that. I'm nervous about how IU is going to bring the energy I know they're going to bring and can Purdue match it? Can Purdue not look overwhelmed like they did look in the second half and overtime of Northwestern, like they looked for the majority of the game against Nebraska? I, I need them to come out and and really punch them in the mouth to start to keep that momentum and energy down in that stadium and just keep it to a normal basketball game instead of the frenzy that it always seems to become. And the other thing I'll say, and cause I always try to keep it a buck and this is a Purdue show and I, and, and you know, I'm always going to gas up our boilers, but when people talk about the best atmospheres in college basketball, no question. Mackey arena is one of the best college basketball atmospheres in the country and consistently show it. They do it with, you know, uh, you know, non-conference opponents like New Orleans and and they show up for every single game. But if we're talking strictly for a singular game, I've been to games at Assembly Hall when they play Purdue and you would be hard-pressed to find a more raucous environment than walking into Assembly Hall when they're playing Purdue. Now they may not show up like that for every game, and that's why Purdue gets the edge as far as consistent atmosphere. But for one day, Assembly Hall, literally every time I go there for Purdue IU, it is an unbelievable atmosphere. So I, I got to give them their credit in that regard. They could, I, to my whole thing with them is if their fans and their team got up for every other team, 
then they would have a little more say. But it, just for this strictly this rivalry, they do show up for it. There's no question about it. Now, one thing with that is, what out of everybody that's in, if we're going to say there's eight rotation players for Purdue or nine rotation players for Purdue right now, um, two only two of them have not been in this environment, right? If I'm, and that would be yeah. um, Miles and Cam. Or I was gonna, I was gonna say, Cam, yeah, Cam and um, Jones, but. Oh yeah, yep. Sorry, Lance. And and even Camden, he was at least there at the game last year as a red shirt. And so there is a lot of there is more experience, right? Like last year, um, was a lot of their like first, uh, maybe not first time, but like Smith and Lawyer especially that was their first time in an environment like that. Uh, Edie kind of knows like everybody knows what to expect. You have more, you know, seniors with with Gillis and Morton and Edie who have been through this multiple times now, and I think they are more ready for it. Um, in terms of like the the hunting matchups coach Afino is was a guy last year that absolutely could just pick apart whoever he wanted i i mean i still remember you know i, I had i had good seats shout out the paint crew last year um and i literally heard it was in the second half i literally hood heard hood Shafino. he saw morton check in he told renew as renew was inbound he's like hey i'm just gonna snake the screen and then pull up he did it drilled a 17 footer I don't think IU really has that guy at this moment. Trey Galloway can maybe get to it in kind of this his floater bag. Um, and Xavier Johnson has it in him. It's whether we see it. Um, there was one other thing that in your ramble that yeah. I wanted to hit on, and, and I forget it. Ray, Rayfell just popped into the chat, Rayfell Davis, uh, and says, Rivalry, rivalry Week here. Um, just want to give a shout out to Ray Fell. He's doing awesome work over on the Big Ten Network. Love our yeah. guy Rafe. He's been on the show. The best, times. the best dressed guy on the Big Ten Network. Let's 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 there call it straight. The best dressed guy on the Big Ten Network. Oh, yeah, but in terms of the say. IU matchup, Joe, like to me, he, yeah, they don't have Jordan Hood Shafino. Um, sure. But like, I'm already having nightmares about Trey Galloway's floater. <laughs> like, and it's different shooting that floater over Zach Eadie and drop coverage. But when he's got that little floater going from five or six, seven, eight feet, whatever it is that he shoots it from, um, you know, that's something to me that'll be interesting just off that pick and roll and, and whether he can get that floater consistently. I, I think there's a really good chance in this game that Zach can get people into foul trouble. IU doesn't have a deep bench. Um, Khalil Ware is tall, but Khalil Ware is not big. And I'll be interested to see how they try to defend Zach, but I think there's a good chance Zach can get some of their bigs in foul trouble early and force them to want to do some things defensively that they had hoped not to have to do. On the offensive end, I, I think personally that Woodson's really going to try to highlight that Renew matchup. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if they try to maybe Khalil Ware can shoot threes. His percentage is pretty high. I wouldn't be surprised at all if they try to pull Zach out and then try to let Renew cook a little bit if we're going to look for that one matchup um, that I think Woodson might try to look at. And then it's, does Purdue just live, like, does Painter just be like, all right, Chloe, where if you hit two or three threes, we'll readjust then. But until then, just step out there and shoot him. I mean, he's shooting uh, one and a half a game, a little over one a game, um, shooting 42%. Like, he's, he's making them, but not taking a ton. The other thing I wanted to remember or mention, and I remember it now in kind of your spiel brags, was about the – you know, IU rising up to play Purdue. Obviously, this is a rivalry game for both teams. Both teams are just going to naturally be more amped for this. I think there is more for IU, and not even because it's Purdue per se, but it's like this is a pivotal moment, I think, in their season. You have a pretty embarrassing loss to Rutgers, which was just a, a not fun game to watch. You come to Minnesota, you have Minnesota at home, you play pretty well, um, but you can just you, you know, fans were booing a little bit like after some missed free throws, and, and they're just is some tension there, I think. Um, and Xavier Johnson is kind of part of that as well with what he, what his role is going to be. Uh, Indiana goes home against Purdue at Wisconsin at Illinois. Purdue ha or uh, Indiana really has no marquee win. Their best win is home against Ohio State right now. At Wisconsin at Illinois is going to be tough to follow following Purdue. If they want any chance at making the tourney, like you got to pick off at minimum one of those three, I assume maybe their best chance is just because it's going to be at home where they play better against Purdue. Um, and so I think there is that part too, where it's just like, it, it feels to me for Indiana, like a pretty pivotal game on the outlook of their season as well. hundred percent. It's going to be exciting. I mean, uh, we need Purdue to, you know, kind of take it to them because they beat us. How many times in a row they beat us now? Is it three? I mean, two, three, in a, they beat us twice last year, but I think they beat us the last game of, Nope, they, Purdue. The last game was Purdue IU. 
of the season was at Purdue, and Purdue won by two the year before. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's right. To but end they, they the year. Split that year. Yeah. Yeah. They split that All year. right. They won three of the yep. last four. Yep. Three of the last four for Purdue. So it's definitely going to be exciting. We'll see what happens. Um, we'll see, um, you know, if we're able to get a show in on Monday, but definitely going to be here on Tuesday for the big game. Um, be ready for a post game show. That'll be a, you know, a lot of fun. So make sure you guys all tune in, please hit that like button here on your way out. Subscribe. If you haven't already appreciate everybody for tuning in, go enjoy your Saturday, your NFL next three days, two games every day for the next three days in the NFL playoffs. I know Craig's going to be locked in, uh, with the rest of the country. So, uh, thanks again. You know, Purdue wins big. Thanks to Joe and Craig for all their hard work at Mackey Arena. Killing it as always. Thanks to you in the chat for hanging out with us here on your Saturday. And we will see you for Rivalry Week. Uh, and always, boiler up.